Welcome back to another episode of the Aim For You Ladies podcast, where we focus on self-acceptance, our mindset, and living our best life. I'm your host, Sophia Tuckett. Hello, and welcome back to another week of the Aim For You Ladies podcast. If you're here for the first time, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, hey girl, I love that you're back. Now, either way, here for the first time or returning week after week, thank you for being here. And please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a five-star review so you never miss an episode. Plus, leaving the five-star review makes every episode rise to the top so we can continue to build the Aim For You Ladies community and support one another to live our best lives. The Other Side of Infidelity is an ebook I created earlier this year. It's fresh, it's new, and it's impactful. If you are looking to reimagine your future after being impacted by your partner cheating, The Other Side of Infidelity is an ebook that will support you to do so. And there is a workbook that goes with it. So hit the link in my show notes to get your copy of The Other Side of Infidelity. Would you like support to restore your confidence? or a coach in your pocket to support you while working through infidelity. If you said yes to either one of these questions, you should be excited. I still have space in Love What You See, which is a 10-week coaching course where we dive deep on how you show up in your world, what confidence means to you from the inside out so you show up in the world as your best self. Hit the link in the show notes, book your free consultation with me. Let's see if we have synergy and let's work together. Today's episode is about sexual abuse, and I know sexual abuse can be quite triggering to so many women out there, but I have Danielle Shea joining me, and she's an expert and a sexual abuse coach who has lived her own journey through sexual abuse, and she's sharing her insight, her story, and how she was able to cope with feeling scared, ashamed, but yet able to move into a space of clarity and empowerment. Today's show, I hope all of you stick around to the end because it's worth it. If you're looking for support with sexual abuse, I intend that you reach out to Danielle Shea. And because she's lived the experience, she's an amazing advocate to supporting women on the journey to self-empowerment and freedom. Can you share with us what your experience was with coping with sexual abuse, how it impacted you and your self-image? Yeah. So you mentioned something earlier um, where this is going to be a sensitive one and it for sure is, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to have fun. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be jokes and smiles and laughter Um, because when talking about sexual abuse, it is a really heavy topic, but Also, as a healing coach for sexual abuse survivors and lived experience expert, like I don't just want to focus on that trauma. It needs to be discussed. It needs to be worked through. And also life goes on with any kind of trauma, with any kind of grief, even with infidelity, right? Like life still continues and you can be in trauma and you can be in grief and have all these feelings and still enjoy your life and still be, be joyful. And so I experienced sexual abuse, um, a few times. My first time 
was in college. So that was 2013. It was my freshman year. I got invited to a like a senior um, event where we were going to build a bar for um, the big engineering um, event at the end of the year. And so I went over to this this person's house and it had just a whole bunch of people with a club that I was involved in. And I was the freshman that everyone was like, oh, I wish I would have done that one. I was, you know, your age, even though they're only four years older than me. Um, like, I wish I would have been so involved. And so I was involved in everything. It was just one of the clubs. And I went over and we built this bar and we had such a good experience. We we're using power tools and it was just you know, it was like, wow, we're engineers. Um, and then I got invited to come back to their house that night to go to a party. Um, and at that party, I talked to people. I was, we were drinking, underage drinking. Oh no. Um, and I set my drink down for a second, turned around. We were laughing, turned back around was like, was this one my drink or was this one my drink? I remember drinking more than this. Hmm. I know I set my drink right here, but I remember drinking more than this. And I picked it up and I kept drinking. Um, later that night, I was sexually abused by someone who um, I thought was my boyfriend because little did I know at that time, um, I had been, I'd been drugged. So I was hallucinating. And so we, it was just this entire, you know, situation. And at some points during the night, I have recollections and I don't have recollections. Um, so that night is still very blurry for me, but yeah, ended up having, um, having sex, at, not at my own will. And the next day I apologized because I thought it was my fault. I was like, oh my gosh, I just cheated on my boyfriend. I apologized for my behavior. I apologized for what I did. This is not something that I would normally do. And yeah, so then I just continued on my life. Um, there was like a big school rager the next day. I went to that and I actually was looking through old pictures and it was me and my roommate hugging, like looking so happy. And I was like, that was one of the lowest points of my life. And it was so interesting looking at that picture and knowing that, but also in that picture, I didn't know what had happened to me. And it took months and other people for to tell me, Danielle, like, this is what happened to you for me to be like, oh, really? Okay. And that's the very insidious thing about sexual abuse and about a lot of things that like infidelity or like domestic violence um, is those things, they're not about attraction. They're about power they're about manipulation and so the victim I don't like that word but when you're in that spot the victim they are gaslighted basically into like oh well no like they they do these things for me you know if it's like with a partner or like no it must have been my fault like it couldn't have been them because you also don't want to believe that human beings are capable right of that type of hurt and so, yeah, I had to, I had to be told basically what would had happened to me. And then I finally started getting help and I started going through therapies and I started, um, you know, learning a little bit more, but that wasn't the last time that it happened. That was the last time that it was all the way. Right. 
the R word is something I try not to use because it's very triggering. It was very triggering for me. Um, I use it with my clients now if they use it, but that's why I'm just like kind of, kind of saying it in a roundabout way. Um, and you know, it happened at the workplace. Someone grabbed me and kissed me. It happened, you know, um, and it happened in just in various different ways. And now even as someone out of college, it's happened at other workplaces, you know, it hasn't, it, it's been like sexual harassment and there's all of these different nuances. And so it's kind of easy to brush things under the rug because again, you don't want to think that human beings are capable. You think, oh, it must not have been that big of a deal because it couldn't have happened to me. And, or you think, well, I must've provoked it in some way because that is what society tells you. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, just like any kind of thing uh, that is trauma related, just this very insidious kind of experience, but it's not just the act. It's all of the things that come with it as well. Yeah. You know, I'm being very honest with you. I'm feeling very speechless because I feel like with your experience, there's women out there that truly haven't come to terms and may have experienced the same thing. Maybe it wasn't their drink that was drugged, but they're just passed out because, you know, they just had a good night and they passed out and a friend, a male, whoever takes advantage, but they don't even recognize that, no, you were just sexually assaulted or somehow it's interesting. Like somehow it's like, we don't have the language, but we do, we know it but we don't want to use yes. it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, because um, it is very, it can be very triggering. And when having this conversations, it's like being trying to be sensitive to allow people to listen, to be like, Oh, maybe that did happen to me. But then also trying to like, not being afraid of the language at all, but trying, trying to be sensitive, trying to be compassionate and trying to find your power within that is also very interesting you're right like we have the language but but do we (laughs) and and that's the thing that I guess I'm really um I guess stuck on is because when you think of children Mm. or preteens or whatever you want them to be mindful of how they're showing up in the world and be able to protect themselves or speak up for themselves and be assertive with their words if and when they feel violated in any way. And I'm just wondering if you think back to your childhood, is there, have you ever had that conversation with an adult where you felt that you knew how to be assertive? Cause I'm not even talking about the experience, um, you know, in college, I'm talking about, you know, workplace you know, all the things that have happened in that space at work. Can you say that you ever were taught a caregiver, um, a way to stand up for yourself at all? Yes, 100%. I grew up in a very beautiful household. Like my childhood was one of the most amazing things. And I think that's why, like, I'm, I'm such a well-adjusted adult and even going through various traumas in my life, you know, um, everyone experiences so a multitude of things and your trauma is not your identity and right but there's so many things that go on so not even with this experience but yes I was I was having lunch with um 
two of my friends and they just looked at me and they went, what's it like growing up with parents who love you and let you be you? And I was devastated because I grew up in a household with a single mother um, and was also raised by my grandparents. My mom has set the most incredible example for me in my life. She, she chose me over absolutely everything in her life. And I might get emotional about this because my mom is my best friend. Um, but she, you know, was in a relationship and she was married and it wasn't working out and she hasn't gone into all the details of me, but basically my biological father, not the most incredible human in the world. And she left, did not tell him she was pregnant with me, didn't tell anybody because she knew that she would have to stay, that I'd be isolated from her family and that like his parents weren't also not the most incredible people in the world. She didn't want me to grow up like that. So she didn't tell him they got divorced, left. And she traveled, called her dad, my grandpa traveled cross country back to California, um, which is where I live now with her as well. And that was kind of the starting point of my life of a strong woman doing what she needed to do for her family and giving me the best chance ever. And I had the best chance ever. I was raised by people who believed you could be anything you wanted. You could love anyone you wanted. And they really wanted to champion others. Um, my grandfather was a kind of just a visionary outside of his time where, you know, in the, the, 50s and 60s where you know you had to be a white straight male to have anything and why that still is the case now it was definitely the case back then would hire people of color would hire women would promote women and if anyone got on his case about it, it was just like can you do their job no you can't which is why I didn't put you in that position they can do their job let them do their job leave them alone mm. and so those are the people that I was, was raised by and my grandmother as well, who just said, no, people are people and you're allowed to be your own people. And so because of that, I was shown so many times how to stand up for yourself, how to stand up for others and how to stand up for people who don't have a voice, which I think is a huge reason why I've gotten into this space and feel comfortable being in this space, talking to people who don't feel like they have a voice, right. talking to people who who are like, this has happened to me, but I don't even know what to say. There's people who keep, you know, their sexual abuse just buried for decades, decades, because it happened to them when they were a child, they didn't feel like they had a voice or an adult told them, keep a secret. Right. There are no secrets in my household. Something happened to you and that was uncomfortable. You tell an adult because mama will take care of it. And then would, you know, there was, there was follow through in the word and there was, there was dedication in being good people and raising good people. It's beautiful. Yeah. Because, and it's know, unfortunate that that's not everyone's experience. I'm so sorry. It's not. No, absolutely. And you said it. It's unfortunate. It's not everyone's experience. So, I mean, it's so beautiful that your mom was able to be that woman and show up in a way that so many haven't even experienced. But you did touch on something I want to um, just go back to a little bit there. You said where women will hide that experience. 
of the sexual abuse. And I wonder, so what have you found in your expertise, you know, going through it, hearing other women's stories, what have you found is the most supportive way to break through the shackles of the experience? Because would you say it's to talk about it, to confront the individual that put you in this space where you can't even defend yourself or go through the therapy and put it behind you? Like really, where's the, the, the balance in it all, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. It's, and unfortunately, because it's such a, a thing, it's not a one size fits all, right? Um, the thing that I love about therapy and counseling and the reason why I take the life coaching approach as well is to allow people to feel more comfortable in telling their story. The biggest thing to help start that breakout is understanding that it did happen to you listening to the people around you are saying like "Mm, pretty sure this was your experience and unpacking that for yourself you know understanding like could this have happened to me if so how do I start getting support the second thing is get support for any trauma for any experience that is traumatic, you need support. We are human beings. Taking a break to bring to you the sponsor of today's episode, Zest of Confidence. What if you stopped comparing yourself to other women and felt confident in your own skin? What if you let go of questioning your self-worth and leaned into trusting your intuition? What if you embrace self-forgiveness and drop self-judgment? Zest of Confidence is an eight-week one-on-one coaching program where we work together to find your unique sense of confidence. I'll support you, hold you accountable, while you implement strategies that's going to restore and build your sense of confidence and a new way of thinking. Zest of Confidence. We focus on supporting your self-image and your inner self-talk with love and kindness zest of confidence we need connection and any kind of trauma but especially of the sexual nature it disconnects you from yourself and it disconnects you from your own self-trust but it also disconnects you from the trust of other people because it will this person could do it especially if it's a partner someone that you know someone that you love someone that you trust or if you were abused as a child and it was your parent, your grandparent, your brother, your sister, you know, if it was anyone in your family, how do you possibly begin to trust those people? So getting support is absolutely huge, whether that's therapy or counseling or a life coach or a healing coach, but someone who's experienced in, has walked that path that you are walking. And then it's being brave enough to, to tell part just a part of your story my dms are filled with this happened to me and my first response is always thank you for being so brave for communicating that because it takes a lot to admit because not only now did you admit it admit it to yourself you're admitting it to someone else so you can get support mm-hmm. and that is huge with with any kind of trauma being like because it's 
you know, people who have experienced a child commit suicide or people who have, you know, experienced drug addiction. You're ashamed of that because society tells you to be ashamed of that. But that's just an, ex that's an experience that has happened. And usually that's not your fault, right? Sexual abuse is not your fault. Right. Domestic violence, not your fault. Your, your child or someone else in your life, you know, doing something to themselves, that's their decision, not your fault. But it is your responsibility to get support. It is your responsibility to admit that and say, I I'm going to get help. And that, I think, is the most powerful thing, especially for sexual abuse. It's those tiny steps. The reason why I say admitting it to yourself and then getting support, it's those tiny steps that help you reclaim your power because it was something that disconnected you from your body. It was a power dynamic that was, you know, swayed in a certain way. And now it's your turn to get back your power. And so that's going, this happened to me. I need help unpacking this. And what advice do you give women who hold back from telling the abuser? So especially when it's, you know, when you're in your adulthood, it could be a friend or, you know, a partner or you name it, but someone, you know, puts you in that predicament. What would be your advice to women to tell, or like, should they address it with that individual? If they decide not to go to authority, you know what I mean? Should they address yeah. it then? I think it really depends on the situation and the spectrum. So if if I may, I'll tell you a little story. So um at my at a past workplace, I was harassed by an employee. Um, so I was in a consultant, they were an employee at the site that I was at. And they were grooming me, but I still didn't have language for what that meant. And so grooming basically is doing small, subtle things for you to believe like, oh, this isn't that big of a deal. So then that, it continues to escalate. That happens a lot for human trafficking and sex trafficking as well. So he would like hit my leg. And I was like, oh, I'm part of the guys. Because, you know, my degree's in engineering. I was at an engineering firm. It's like those little stories that you start to tell yourself, oh, I'm part of the guys. And then it was, he'd be like, oh, and you call me baby. And I was like, well, that's weird and then finally one day he like came by and touched my hair ew. I yeah. ew yeah ew. ew I lost it I had already been through seven years of therapy I had already begun the idea of starting this business so I was looking into ways to reclaim my power and so I was also like if I have to tell my clients to have conversations I need to have conversations absolutely but I had I had a support system. Like I had all of the foundational things that you need to reclaim your power, to be able to say, I am comfortable enough talking to this person. And he touched my, like he sexually harassed me. And also on the spectrum of sexual harassment, where this is, you know, having sex without your consent. And this is someone touching your hair. Like I'm over here. Right. So the spectrum it is a big deal. And also I, I never co confronted the person who my, I never confronted my predator. Never. 
but this guy was like, I'm going to confront him. So I did, we went through the whole process. You know, I actually have like a whole script that I give my clients that this is what you say. This is how you say it. This is the order you say it in. This is how you prepare for it. And this is how you decompress. And so in those situations, I say, if you feel comfortable enough if in yourself and you feel comfortable enough with a support system that you've built, here's a script that you can confront someone with. And also I have experienced sexual uh, harassment at work where it's happened to me. I've spoken up and the person that it happened right next to me, the exact same thing was terrified and couldn't do it. And that's okay. You confront someone when you feel that it is helpful for your healing journey. Mm. So there is a lot of people who say, well, how do I go about, you know, prosecution? And especially if it's on this side of the spectrum, right? Of the, you know, sex without my consent. I started that process. I did not have the greatest experience. I have clients who have started that process, gone through that process and have had good experiences. But the amount of emotional turmoil that you go through is real. And not everyone who has just experienced trauma is capable or able or secure enough to be able to then be triggered again and again and again with court cases and questioning and having to confront that person. And so what I say to people is I say, if you want to, we can work on the foundational tools to be able to get you to the a place where you're not going to lose yourself in that process. But if this is something that you do not want to do, you do not have to do it. And eventually in the life cycle of healing, people get to a point where they want to be advocates and they want to stand up and they want to tell people. And sometimes that happens right away. They're like, nope, we're going through with everything. Yes. Times that doesn't happen for decades. Right. And no, and no one's experience is better or worse than the others. It's just their experience. Mm-hmm. I guess my thought process is this. So I have two girls, I have two daughters and it's for me, I think, and I get it. You're constantly going to be triggered along that journey if you're going through prosecution and all of that. But I think there's some justice in that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know every, everyone is very different, but then it makes me wonder, God forbid, well, what about another child or what about another woman? Like me, but what about Mary Jane that could be the next victim because I chose not to. So I guess that's where my like thoughts go right away. It's like, I, it's almost like I want to crush this individual. <laughs> Let's just put this to an end because I can't yeah. physically do something too, right? So right. I think that's right away is where my mind goes to. And I get it. You, some will and some won't, but what are your thoughts on that? No, I love this question because it is, it's such a hard one and there needs to be context and there needs to be, you know, understanding there needs to be support. And also there's so much privilege privilege wrapped around being able to go through a prosecution there's so much financial privilege there's so much you know community privilege um and support system privilege that goes into that so if you're trying to do that alone 
we're humans. We need to do things as a collective. We need to do things with our support system because if you want to go fast, you go by yourself. If you want to go far, you go together. And the prosecution is something that you, it's not going to go fast. There is a lot of things that has to happen. There's a lot of people who need to be involved. And so you need to go together. So if you are someone who's trying to do that by yourself, it's going to be difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm, I'm on the same wavelength as you. I don't want this to happen to other people. So in my experience, you know, it took me months to be able to realize that this happened to me. And it wasn't until then that I was like, well, that's not cool. I can't have this person just running around campus doing this to other people. And so I went to, you know, Title IX at my college campus. I went to the police department and told my story. And ultimately what it came down to um, was the, the perpetrator didn't want to come in and be questioned. And that's where it ended because they could not force him to do that because I didn't know what the steps were right away. I didn't know that afterwards I should go to the doctor and get a kit and get checked out. I didn't know that I should have told someone immediately so they could have started the process. I waited and I just waited a few months. Yeah. So people who have waited years, you know, there isn't forensic evidence to be able to say this has happened unless it's just, you know, just happened. Right. Just happened. And I think, I think those kits, I know the technology has gotten better, but it used to just be like, you need to do it within 24 hours. And so there's definitely systematic issues that we have to address for the legal systems. Um, and also, you know, thank goodness for the me too movement, which seems very weird to say, but that also triggered a lot of other resources being available Absolutely. where prior they just didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So I'm so on board with you of being like, I don't want this to happen to other people. Let's squash this person. And also there's all those other little things. Like, do you have the financial resources to continue to go through this court case? You know, do you have the support system to continue to go through with it? Does your community's legal system have something in place to be able to say, yes, we're going to deal with this? Does the people that you've talked to send your emails to the right people? You know, there's lots of moving parts and that doesn't mean that it's impossible. That doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done. It just is when um, they, people say this a lot with domestic violence, it's like, well, why doesn't she just leave? Or if someone has, you know, experienced infidelity, well, why doesn't she just leave? Like this happened. It's like, if I could write a book called Why Doesn't She Just Leave and Other Stupid Questions Not to Ask Domestic <laughs> Violence Victims, yeah. I would because there's so many things that go into that. Mm -hmm. And it's true. Like you said, you know, and I've heard about this kit. If you don't do it right away within the 24 hours and you've showered, it's kind of, it's a, it's a wrap. Yeah. And after that, like, excuse me, get this ick off me now. Yeah, like, let me. <laughs> like, why? Like, that'd I be like your scrubbed. first. Yep. Yeah. I think I was in the shower for an hour. Mostly because I was disgusted with myself, again, because I thought it was my fault. But still, like, yeah, yeah, put it off. 
Yeah, I get that. How do you support your mindset now that you're on the other side of this journey to be free of self-judgment? There's so many little things. Um, One of the things, so one of the first things that I talk about with my clients is the cycle of trauma. And one of the things in that is comparison. Comparison keeps you in the cycle of trauma because it's, it's not just comparison of, you know, your healing journey. It's also comparison of your trauma. Was it bad enough, quote unquote, or well, they must have it worse. So who am I to stand up? Mm. And that was a really big thing for me personally, which was even starting this business of like, you know, I didn't experience you know, abuse. I was also drugged. Like I don't have a lot of memories of that night. Like people have horrific PT. I had horrific PTSD, but horrific PTSD, horrific, you know, experiences. And I was like, who am I to say my experience? Mm. But then I realized like, it's my privilege to be able to do so. Right. And it's my privilege to be able to speak up. And so I had to get out of that comparison by being like, yes, maybe I didn't have it quote unquote as bad as others, but that doesn't mean that others don't need the connection, right? Or or I can't speak to this. And so that just kind of self doubt, that self comparison, that comparison to trauma, we're talking about how do we get out of that? Well, one way is get off social media. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How many times have I heard women say get off social media on this show? So give me, give me some back, some like content around that. Yeah. Social media is a highlight reel. It is a highlight reel that says this is what's going on, whether that is people being vulnerable and expressing their emotions and expressing their triggers and things like that. Or it's people being like, I'm at my mountaintop, right? It's kind of one or the other. There's not a lot of that real life stuff. So behind this camera, is a bed full of laundry. But I chose this wall because there's nothing on it. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. (laughs) So there's all of those little things, but our brain is very beautiful and manipulative. (laughs) Very manipulative, yeah. (laughs) Because it it fills in the gaps that we don't understand. So it fills in the information that's like, oh, well, since I can't see that, it must not be happening. Mm-hmm. And that part is super insidious when you are trying to find self-worth and you're trying to just be nicer to yourself, right? You need to be able to not say I'm a garbage human being in the mirror. You need to be able to change that language and that negative self-talk. And so one thing that I have my clients do, which, uh, is like an amalgamation of things I learned in therapy that I've made. And that also I've learned from various uh, personal development books that I've read is the um, positive self-talk ladder. So you have a thought of like, I'm a garbage human being and our our brains are usually a lot meaner than that. There's probably cuss words in there, Um, (laughs) but I'm a garbage human being. And then it's like, okay, well, we need to, how do we address that that that's not true? You think it's true, but it's not true. You, You do not have garbage on you. You are not made of garbage. You are not a garbage human being. And so it's taking, it's understanding like, okay, I have this thought. That's step one. 
Now, what thought do I want to replace that with? Because our brains are beautiful. They are, we have neuroplasticity and we have all of this ways that we can rewire and reprogram our brains. But what trauma does is it, it kind of puts you at your default setting, which is survival mode. And so you do not have the ability to walk up Mavlov's hierarchy of needs to self-actualization at the very top. You're in survival mode. Yeah, so, it's baseline, right? Yeah. So you are a garbage human being at survival mode. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. what your brain wants you to say. So you have to keep walking up that ladder. So what I have them do is reverse engineer. So we start out, what is your negative thought? We go to the top of the ladder is what's the thought that you would love to be at? Like, I am divine feminine energy. I am divine love. I am the most incredible human being in the world, right? And then we reverse engineer. Okay, so if you need to get to, I am divine, I embody divine feminine energy, what's the step right below that? So that's the rung that you need to go. And then what's the step right below that? Basically, you you fill in these rungs of this ladder so you can begin to climb from I'm a garbage human being to I am I embody divine feminine love. And that's how you very slowly through very small steps, begin to believe that you are worthy of healing. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of reconnecting with your body. You are worthy of your power. You are not your identity or your trauma. You stop comparing yourself to other people and you start really understanding more about yourself and wanting to learn more about yourself through very, very small steps. Because you can't go from garbage human being to divine feminine energy. Can't do it. Because just like you also can't go from this rung of the ladder to this rung of the ladder. I'm 5'2". I'm short. My reach is very small. So I need very tiny steps. Right. To go up that ladder. I get that. So what makes you feel beautiful, Daniel? (gasps) What an incredible question. Um, Wow. A few things came to my mind, but this is definitely the biggest one. What makes me feel beautiful and joyful and fulfilled is being able to stand in my power, feel as though I'm enough and allow other people to see that and feel that as well, whether that's through communication or just through my actions. Making what makes me feel beautiful is being myself because I've stepped into who Danielle Shea is. Like I am me, and that is the most beautiful thing ever. Thank you. And Danielle, (laughs) how do you embody self-acceptance? It is a Self-acceptance, just like anything, is a journey every day, right? There's different things and different parts of yourself, especially as you're healing, that are gonna like unravel that you're gonna go, oh, I didn't, I didn't know I needed to heal that. Let me go love that part. So embodying embodying self-acceptance is not just loving the good parts about you, good, right? Whatever that means, but also loving the parts that you are keeping in the shadow. Like I used to not be vocal about my experience because I was ashamed. I was scared. You know, I didn't. And while that's not my identity, like this is something that I've experienced and me opening up to that, me 
opening up the different things that I was trying to keep in the dark has allowed me to have so much connection with so many different individuals. Like I would have never met you. Right. And, And that is so beautiful. Like here we have a developing friendship here. We have, you know, something beautiful blooming. And if I hadn't have said, Hey, this has happened to me. And also I'm walking this path to work through it. I would not have connected with all of the people I've connected with. And so self-embodiment is, is all of you. And sometimes you don't know what all of you is, but when it comes up, you go, Oh, hello. Yes. Let's talk. Let's work. Let's work through this together. Yeah. Let's embrace it. Mm -hmm. Danielle, before you go, I want you to just share two pieces of advice to us on what and how we should move forward if we're in a space or even if we've experienced any type of sexual assault or abuse in the past, what advice would you give? Reach out for help. It's not something that you need to or should do alone. Reach out for help. And it can be someone in your community. It can be someone on a therapy app. It can be a life coach. It can be your friend. It can be anyone, but reach out for help because once you do that, your life is going to change. My entire programs are revolved around supporting survivors of a joyful and fulfilled life because I know what it feels like. I have the chills right now. I know what it feels like to be isolated and to isolate yourself and to be in that pit of depression and to just be at rock bottom and rock bottom is always so much farther down than you think it is. And I also know what it's like to climb out of that and be just fully embodied and and, and be me. And the only way I was able to do that was through getting help, getting support. I'm so grateful you were able to share the space and your time with us. Danielle Shea, thank you. Thank you so much, Sophia. It's just been such an incredible conversation. And just thank you for holding space for this conversation, for being willing to have this conversation and for the work that you do. And just, I had such a great time being here with you. Wow, you're so sweet. Thank you. If today's show meant something to you, I intend you do all of these three things. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me in it at aim for you Consulting. And also share it with a loved one that will find value in what Danielle Shea had to share. You never really know what your loved ones are going through and experiencing sexual assault is never an easy journey when done alone. So share today's episode. If you're tuning in on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave a review and rating. On the top right-hand side of the show page, you're going to see a plus button and you can follow the show there so you never miss an episode. If you're tuning in on Spotify, go to the show page. You're going to see a bell. Once you hit that bell, you are subscribed. You'll never miss an episode. And please don't forget to leave us a five-star rating while you're there. Until next week, ladies, continue to aim for you and be well.